what does that tell you about yourself? You're listening to the Start Right Now podcast, and I'm your host, Chloe McKenzie. I'm excited to help you get off the sidelines and finally step into your calling. So let's get started right now. Welcome back to another episode of the Start Right Now podcast. I love to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. You guys have heard me say a lot about what it means and what the impact is when you're able to get clear and get unstuck about the things that are important to you in your life. Well, today's guest is Becca Ribbing, and she is going to take us through a whole bunch of tools that are going to help us do exactly that. She's the author of The Clarity Journal, and she's a coach, and she's on a mission to help people break out of the cycles of uncertainty and you know, release the things that struggle to hold them back. So Becca, I want to welcome you to the show. We have so much to talk about today. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this episode. Me too. Me too. You're a big fan of questions. I'm a big fan of questions. So we're going to get along just fine today. So, you know, tell me about how you came to focus on clarity. What was the things that were happening in your life that you decided you wanted to put this amazing resource together for people? So I was actually going through my own cycle. You know, we are constantly expanding and growing and you'll hit a point at which you're just like ready for a new challenge. And so I actually had gone through this like funny cycle also at the same time of my son, I, my second son was born. It was really difficult. He had a lot of ear infections. I moved cross country in my third trimester. Oh yeah. And I was using a cane because my, I had a bad chiropractic adjustment in the first trimester of that pregnancy. So like I had hit that, like the bottom part of those cycles where like, it was just, I had to let go of everything get back to basics, just keep my head above water. And as I was coming out of that cycle, as we do, you know, it, it, we, we get down in the dumps and then we cycle through and it's like, things get better, things get better. But when things start getting better, a lot of times we lose sight of the fact that we need growth. We need to be expanding. We need to, to be changing still. And so I got my head above water and things got better. And then I started doing the thing you do with your friends. Like, okay, I don't under, I don't know what's next. Like, what do I do? I was a coach, but I had let go of a lot of the things I loved just to keep my head above water during the bad part. And when I was going through my own, that cycle, my friend stopped me and she was like, Becca, what would you tell yourself? Like, what would you ask yourself? How would you figure this out? And I paused and I was just like, oh, right. That's exactly where I am. Because when we're in the middle of it, it is so hard to recognize for ourselves. Coaches need coaches. Therapists need therapists. You know what I mean? And so I was in that that messy beginning part and I was like, okay. I went and I got off that phone call And I wrote down 30 prompts right then and there that I usually ask people um, to help them move through this process. And as I was doing that, I was just like, I was so stunned by how it didn't actually even need to be a person asking it. I was just writing it down. I wrote down 30 and then I went back and answered them. And I was like, oh, 
this is really powerful. This actually can be done just through journaling. It's just that you need the questions to break yourself out of that cycle. Because when you're in the middle of the cycle, it's really hard to break yourself out of it without some sort of external force to help you reevaluate your assumptions. Because that's where we all get stuck. We get stuck because we have assumptions. We have assumptions about what can happen, what can't happen. We have assumptions about what the world should look like, um, what we should be doing. Quite frankly, a lot of times we have like our mom or our grandmother's voice in the back of our head, you know, people who want us to stay safe, but staying safe isn't necessarily expansive. So as I was doing it and as I was going through this process, I just... I loved it so much that I decided I wanted to make it into a book. Mm. <laughs> I love that so much. It's funny, like the the power in a question, right? Powerful questions and the right question can be a game changer and the impact can be so different between, you know, a question that's really shallow. Right? And I mean, and questions upon questions, because that my friend asking me that is what started it. It's like, and that was a really powerful question. And it's so funny how we get stuck in our own train of thought, where I find a lot of times, I find for myself, I find for my clients, you'll start asking the same question over and over again, almost like a life jacket or like a comfort blanket. It's like, I, what do I do? What do I do? What am I going to do? And in asking it with such desperation. Yeah. That's the right word for it. Exactly. With that desperation, it's really hard to break out and start asking it in a lighter, more curious way. We don't even realize, uh, just as, as you said it, it, it came to me. We don't realize how much we're already asking ourselves questions throughout the day. It's, it's exactly what you said. Like, what am I going to do now? How am I going to get through this? You can actually, actually hear in my voice, like the heaviness that that carries with these questions that are constantly on replay, but with focused time and an intention in thinking about the questions that we ask, there's so much more available to us in terms of the options, Right. Right. Well, and I think sometimes our questions also show us where our fears are or where we are playing safe or whatever that that thing that is keeping you stuck. Like, because a lot of times I'll find people say, like, what should I do next? And it's like you're afraid there of making the wrong choice. You actually probably have three things that you're trying to decide upon and because you're so afraid of making the wrong choice, you actually don't even see the choice to be made. I find that really interesting is that a lot of times when I'm talking to someone, they will start with the thing that's safe, the thing that everyone's telling them they should do. And then 30 minutes into the conversation, I'll be like, okay, so is there anything else that you've been thinking about? And they're like, oh, well, this might be crazy or tell me if this isn't going to work or, you know, and it's, and that's where the real heart of the matter is. That's where the juice is. And that's where the energy and momentum really are, but you're afraid of it. Mm. Do you find that as you go through a session of asking all of these questions or looking at prompts, being able to answer more than one question allows you to get below the surface, almost like you're unearthing 
questions at question 20 that you hadn't even considered at question one to help you find that nugget, right? I think so. And I also think that there's value in just picking and choosing what speaks to you. I'm not really a big believer in doing things out of sense of obligation or like as homework. So, but I think that it becomes deeper and more meaningful. Like when I start out the clarity journal, I start with all the positive things that are going on in your life because I find when we're in that moment of stuck, we lose sight of the good. And then if we're really desperate, we'll take the next thing without really evaluating openly and honestly about whether it actually is the right thing. Because you're so focused on getting rid of these three things that you don't like, that you forget you're going to lose something else. Um, I think this is especially true for people who are parents, like who people who but but even even beyond that like everyone needs to have their own life and you know some companies are just really about turn and burning their employees and you know hey you you should be happy to work for us for 60 hours a week <laughs> you know i think that's the one that's a big one that i find people will talk themselves themselves into taking a job that the workload is just untenable. And you can tell, you can tell with the way the manager's talking about it in the interview. And it's like, oh, don't, please don't take this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> scary, scary how we put ourselves in, in positions that we know aren't going to work out for us. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Right. I wonder what is the most powerful question that you've ever asked yourself that yielded an answer that was like revelatory for you? Okay, so my favorite question in the clarity journal. It's, it's kind of my, my precious baby. (laughs) Um, we all, we love all of our children, but this one is like the one, this is the one who do you envy? And what does that tell you about yourself? Who do you envy? And what does that tell you about yourself? Hmm. And tell me why that, that is such a juicy question. Because we're so used to pushing away negative emotions and we aren't supposed to be envious and we almost make it worse than it was. Like by pushing away envy, we make it worse. We make it scary. We make it mean. And envy isn't, doesn't have to be any of those things. Envy can be just truly recognizing that someone has something that you want and they are showing you a roadmap for how to maybe like take those aspects that you envy and make it into your own. And it really does tell us a lot. We don't envy everybody. We don't, if you're a scientist, you don't envy every more successful scientist than you. You envy a very specific scientist. Like maybe you have an interesting social media platform or maybe who are doing interesting research. If you're a writer, you don't envy every single New York Times bestseller. You envy very specific New York Times bestsellers. And what is it about them that you want for your own life? I feel like it's a very clarifying question to really go through and think about the people that like, and maybe envy isn't, I I like the word envy because it's kind of like makes you really think, but also admire. Um, but I think sometimes we admire people that we feel like we should admire. Like I admire Oprah or I admire the Dalai Lama. It doesn't really get quite at that same, like, who do I want to be? Like, who am I wishing 
that I could model my life after. And I think that we're not really trained as kids to look and see what we want. If we look at our neighbor's test, we're cheating. If we ask someone for the answer, we're cheating. And so at a very real level, we have not been trained to look for the answer everywhere. And a huge part of that is looking for the answer in other human experience. Like we Google, we feel like we should come up with these answers just by Googling it, by reading more books. But that human experience, like the being able to filter the information and figure out what works for you and what doesn't, that's a really important skill. And anytime you're trying to do something new, every time you're trying to like kind of change paths, you're starting from less human experience. And it's really important to recognize that because that's where a lot of people get stuck. They don't actually have enough experience to really make the decision solidly and they feel uncertain. And so when you get there, it's a matter of, you know, sure, you could hire a coach. I'm not going to bash that. Pays my bills. But you can also reach out to people on LinkedIn. You can, like, you know, listen to more podcasts. Because one of the wonderful things about podcasts is that it's usually two people, especially the, the interview style podcasts, I think are great because they actually help walk you through people's thought processes a little bit better. And there's a lot of different ways to do this. But I think when you stay stuck in your own head and feeling like you have to be the one that decides, you have to be the one that, de- I mean, you do have to be the one that decides, but you have to do all of the research. You have to come up with the, enti- the entire answer 100% on your own. That's where we feel lonely. In this particular context, the word envy is interesting to me because uh, just as you said, it almost implies something that's a little bit more deep-seated than admiration or something that you wouldn't otherwise want to reveal. It's getting at that next layer of like, what's the thing you really want that you actually don't want to admit, right? And uh, when we were having this conversation previously, I thought it was really interesting. We were debating, you know, is this about looking at the people around you and trying to take cues from their business situation, their life situation and, and pointing to that. But you actually express that it's something a little bit more broad. It's not your direct necessarily like circle of influence, but it's, it's people that you don't otherwise interact with. They're slightly beyond and they point you to something a little bit bigger or more aspirational in terms of the things you want in your life. Right. We do have our little circle, but our little circle is little and it's made up of lots of different people, but they're probably not doing exactly what you want to be doing. And so being able to kind of broaden the worldview to include others and to ask others for help, because I am always amazed. Like if someone reaches out, it's harder to reach out to coaches and expect like free service. Like, so I'm not saying reach everyone should reach out to coaches. I think sometimes people hear this and they're like, Oh, I'm going to reach out to the business coach. That's not who you're reaching out to. Who you're reaching out to are the people that have businesses or are writers or whatever it is that you want to be doing that don't make their whole life about helping those people. They make their life about their work, their art. And I think that it's really helpful to actually talk and like be able to pick their brain. And you're not going to go for the person that's at the top level. Like, I mean, you might try, but they're unlikely to respond because they're really busy. But someone who's like one or two steps above where you are, 
those people usually love to help. They love to have their brains picked. Like, I mean, there's a reason why there's a million podcasts because everyone loves to talk about like what they're doing, you know? No, it's so true. There's, there's power in being able to have a bit of a map or have something that you can reference and a place that you can point yourself to when it comes to trying to get clear, because we can't see outside of ourselves sometimes. And just having something else as a reference point is, is super helpful. Now, what is most powerful when you think about uh, folks in particular, the people that are listening to this, uh, they tend to be creatives, creators, people who are maybe entrepreneurial, people who are trying to step into their calling, move in a specific direction. What are some of the questions that you could ask to them that they should start reflecting on that might give them a little bit more clarity in this state of being unstuck? I think I would say... To start noticing your own emotions more. I think that we have really gaslit ourselves as a society that emotions don't have a value. That if you're feeling emotional, you are not being rational. And that's just simply not true. If you are being emotional, it's because something is triggering you and that something is important to really dive into. If you are scared about starting your whatever project you want to start, or if you're finding yourself procrastinating, even though you're certain you want to do it, really dive into where is that fear coming from? What am I afraid of? Or like, what, what is going on beyond the service? Cause I think we just spend so much time suppressing, suppressing like, Oh, bad emotions are bad. You know, how many times have, I don't know if you're a parent, you've probably told your kids it's okay. When obviously it's not okay to them. I'm sure you've been told it's okay when it wasn't okay as a child. And I think that that trains us to not pay attention. And I think creatives really get stuck in this because if they're not paying attention to those emotions, what they are doing, what they are trying to do is big and important and scary and they haven't done it before. And there's going to be a lot that goes into it. And we just don't see that when we see other people's journeys. There's a great book called The Messy Middle. And anyone who's finding themselves in this cycle, I think should go read that book because we don't, we don't see the process for other people. We don't see where they got stuck. We don't see all their failures. Now, sure, like in some Wired article about some tech startup, there'll always be like the paragraph about like, oh, and things were really bad and da 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 But it's always a paragraph. It's like, it's like childbirth. You know, people think they know what childbirth is, but it's not a sitcom. It's not even a movie. Like in a movie, childbirth is like, 90 seconds and then you're holding the baby. Like, I mean, intellectually we know that, but we can't really process that. Like our brain can't really wrap our, our head around. Oh, that was 90 seconds. It's really 24 hours. Let's like extrapolate out here. We just don't do that. And then we feel like we're doing something wrong. If our business is taking longer, if we keep getting rejected from like um, agents, if we're a writer, like whatever it is that you're trying to do, that middle part is just really important to keep working through at the same time that you're, you're evaluating whether what you're doing is working or you need to change, but from a place of strength, place of strength, does 
journaling and this type of clarity work and these probing questions, does it always need to happen as a form of writing? Is there something actually to the the written, you know, mechanic of this that makes a difference? I think I think writing it down is a commitment to yourself. So I think there is value in that. But I would never tell someone who is just not doesn't like writing. There are a lot of people with English class trauma that just don't like writing. And so I think writing is the best because there is a record of it and it is written down and you're at a certain level making a commitment to yourself. However, I think that you can also use Otter, which is basically a voice dictation thing. That's really cool. You don't even, they, it will put in all the periods and punctuation and stuff. And you could just speak it out loud. If you want, you could go take a walk, like read a question, really think about it. Go take a walk. Cause some people are really need to be physical and afterwards, maybe like just jot down aha moments like, oh, like here's my three bullet points from that experience. It really just depends on the person. Um, I am obviously biased towards writing, <laughs> so I try not to like make that bias into a should for other people. <laughs> What's the tangible impact of this for somebody who is listening to this and they're like, ah, like journaling, meh, writing, meh. And it seems a little bit um, abstract or, you know, something that might not have real tangible results. What would you say to a skeptic, a journal uh, skeptic? I'd say it's only as good as how honest you can be with yourself. So I totally understand why people would be skeptical because if they haven't had that experience of really diving in deep and allowing themselves to unfold, like then I understand being skeptical because it's not, it's not really something that you can prove. Like I don't have scientific studies that say 70% of people that journal in six months, they are doing what they want to do and they have their dream job. <laughs> you know, I mean, and even there, like, even if I had that statistic, it would still be like 70% of people or 60% of people. It'd be a useful, meaningful number, but it would never be a hundred percent. So I, you all know yourself. If you're that skeptical about it, I'd say, are you skeptical about it? Because you're afraid both it would work or it wouldn't work for you. Like, is there a reason why it's actually triggering you and you want to push it away? And if there is, then maybe it's worth giving a try. Cause if there's something that you're stuck on, there's something that you really feel like you're not fulfilling within yourself, then I am a believer that you just need to do it because I have clients who are in their sixties who are just getting started with this process. And that is so hard. It, when you are like in your late fifties, your early sixties, and you're just getting started. Like I, I am a very upbeat person and I have seen it work, but there's still a lot of grief there because they didn't get started earlier. And I think that there is just that grief compounds. And so you it's easy for you to put it off today. It's easy for you to put it off tomorrow. But the end result is if you keep putting it off, you're hurting yourself, like very literally and tangibly. Mm, seize the day. Start right now, mm-hmm. you guys. Uh, so where can we get a copy of the Clarity Journal? 
It's on Amazon. Um, it's really easy to find. Lucky for you who are listening to this, uh, Becca has a free copy of the Clarity Journal that she is giving away. If you head over to my Instagram at Start Right Now Podcast and you share out uh, the episode art for this particular episode, we'll be giving away a copy to a lucky listener. So hopefully you will get the benefit of these amazing resources of questions that can point you to maybe some of the areas where you're stuck, need a little more clarity, maybe need a deeper level of thoughts and uh, you know analysis to be able to move forward. So make sure you either go pick up a copy of Becca's book on Amazon or check out our social profiles this week as the episode's live to get maybe a copy of your own. Now, Becca, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I'm going to, I'm going to get you to leave us with one more question, maybe for somebody who's feeling like they're in a tough spot. Maybe they're feeling a little burnt out, need some energy. What's the last question that you want to leave the listeners with today? I would like to leave them with really paying attention to their strengths. I find that when people when I point out people's strengths to them, they don't haven't really spent a lot of time with it. They haven't spent a lot of time valuing it. They haven't spent a lot of time really embracing that something that comes easy to them is actually a strength and really, really valuable. And I think that when we get stuck, it's because we're trying to put ourselves into a situation that isn't working. I think that when we can come from it from a position of knowing ourselves, knowing our strengths, it makes it easier to change the situation. Start with your strengths. I love that. Always power and feeling like you have confidence to move forward. Uh, Becca, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I look forward to many more questions and definitely having you on uh, the show uh, once again. Uh, make sure you go c- connect with uh, Rebecca Sh- Oh, I called you Rebecca. Make sure you go connect with Becca. She's over at BeccaRibbing.com. Um, and on social, what's your social handle for everyone? Becca Ribbing. Becca Ribbing. Easy peasy. All right. Take that. Move into this week. Get some questions going. Pick up the journal if you need a little bit of help or generate some on your own. Um, but get started right now. 